They're crazy, they're zany, and just plain nuts, but they love Jesus. America's Keswick and all of you. Here are the hosts of the Bob and Bill podcast, Robert Hayes and Bill Welton. Bob? Well, how are you, Bill? This is episode... I can't believe it says 33. Can it be that many I know. podcasts? And today's July 3rd, so we're gearing up for the 4th. What are we doing on the 4th? <laughs> Nothing at Keswick. <laughs> it's quiet. <laughs> it's going to be nice. It's, it's the, the calm, calm before, before the, the storm. storm. <laughs> <laughs> we're gearing up, right? Right. So we're excited today to have Dr. Richard Allen Farmer back with us. He was a speaker for our Labor Day weekend conference last year a wonderful musician, a wonderful preacher. And uh, he's going to lead us in worship and then share another incredible message from the Word of God. Let's watch our good friend and yours, Dr. Richard Allen Farmer. Show your might and power, and may we find ourselves your glad and loyal subjects, bowing before your throne gladly. You are the King of Zion, Judah's Lion, reign, Jesus, reign. You are the Tech folks, would you please put up, this is the day the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. Some of you weren't in the concert this afternoon, and you may have remembered this from last year, but let me teach it as if this is the first time. We'll all sing together, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Sing that. This Sing it again. Yes. Now, put put a little rhythm in. It's not, this is the day that the Lord... It's, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Yes, that's the first part. Then the ladies will sing, be glad, and the men will sing, be glad, be glad, be glad. So it's call and response. The ladies will sing. Yes, let me hear it again, ladies. Be glad, be glad. That's excellent. That's excellent. Then we all sing together. We will rejoice and be glad in it. For this is the day that the Lord has. Ladies, be glad, be glad, be glad. He will rejoice and be glad in it. For this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Be glad, be glad, be glad, be glad. We will rejoice and be glad in it. For this is the day that the Lord, once again from the beginning, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. 
Would you like to imagine that you are at the church I pastor, the great Crossroads Church? We always sing this standing up. I'll say to Paul, what day is this? Put me in A-flat. And he'll put me in A-flat, and I'll say, this is the day the Lord has made. Then I just start singing, and the people stand and just dance their declaration. This is the day, would you stand? Lord has made, oh, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, this is the day that the Lord has made. Oh, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Be glad, be glad, be glad, be glad. We will rejoice and be glad in it. For this is the day that the Lord has made. Sing it again. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This. glad in it for this is the day that the Lord has made. Ladies, slow it down. Be glad. Be glad. Be glad. We will rejoice and be glad in it for this is the day that the one more time, ladies, be glad. Sing, be glad. Be glad. Be glad. We will rejoice and be glad in it. For this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Be glad, be glad, be glad. We will rejoice and be glad in it. For this is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. You may be seated. We are grateful, God, for all that you've done this day. And every day, as we've been reminded, is a day you have made. And every day we thank you for the opportunity to open ourselves to the reign of Jesus Christ. That he might have all of us as we have certainly had all of him. We pray, O oh Lord Christ, that you teach us how to live each day. Seeing each day as a day that you have made, a day that you have given. A day full of adventure and unknowns we only know not what the day holds. We only know that you are in charge and it is enough for us. Grant that we may honor you, that we may submit ourselves to you daily, that you might do your extraordinary work in and through us. We are glad. We are so glad. We will rejoice. And be glad in what you have made. We're glad, we're glad, we're glad, we're glad. We do rejoice and we're glad in it. For this is the day that the Lord has made. Mm -hmm.
guess Jesus loves me Yes He loves me Yes He loves me How do I know the Bible? The Bible The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me. He who died, heaven's gates to open wide. He has taken away my sin. Open up the heavens and invited me in. Yes, he loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. I have so enjoyed being with you this weekend. I can hardly believe that tomorrow is the end. I tell people that if I didn't have another engagement, another ministry opportunity to look forward to, this traveling round would just be depressing because I so look forward to the event and then I go there and seemingly in a few hours it's over. And if that was it, it would really be sad. You have all this anticipation, and then it's over in three days. But fortunately, I have the next opportunity to look forward to, and that keeps me going and keeps me from being sad. But I have enjoyed my time with you. I've been looking forward to it for a year. Uh, I knew that this weekend was coming. In fact, we made a commitment last year to do this year. Uh, might have even made a commitment two years ago to do two consecutive years. But I have been looking forward to this, and it has been a joy. Thank you for your kind comments about my being with you and about what you uh, have been receiving from our time together. To God be all praise and honor given. I'll be at a product table in the back. I don't, take, I don't, don't want to take any time to talk about what's back there. Uh, you come back and, and see. I, I want to get into preaching. Uh, if you're able, would you please stand in body or in spirit and join me as I read together from the third chapter of the Revelation, the last book of the Bible, the third chapter of the Revelation, beginning at verse 1. I ask you to read along with me, or at least look uh, as I read from the third chapter of the Revelation. We are looking at the seven churches, and some of you are wondering, well, this is part five, uh, but I'm going to combine churches six and seven, Philadelphia and Laodicea, tomorrow in one message. And it's not going to be twice as long. I'm just going to uh, speak twice as fast. 
uh, and we'll, we'll still be out in plenty of time for the barbecue lunch. I, I have enough sense not to keep you past lunchtime. I know that could just be dangerous to my health. Revelation chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, I read from the New King James Version of the Scriptures. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things, says he, who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things that remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, Holy One, Lord of the church, giver of every victory we have known, O thou who dost make losers into overcomers, we come now and say as did Samuel of old, Speak, Lord, thy servant is listening. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and God's people said, Amen. Amen. Sardis was the capital of the kingdom of Lydia, approximately 30 miles southeast of Thyatira. Sardis had as its king Croesus, who was extremely wealthy. Now, some of you grew up hearing the phrase, he's as rich as Croesus, uh, simply referring to that very, very wealthy king. Sardis is credited with issuing the first gold and silver coins. Very wealthy city. They had rich mineral resources during the time of Croesus, at least, with evidence of a gold refinery near the Pactolus stream that is close to Sardis. Today it is the city of Sart, S-A-R-T, in the Manisa province of western Turkey. So Sardis is still in existence. It is not in ruins. It is not an archaeological dig. There is a city of Sart, which is the modern Sardis. It was a trade city known for its wool trade. Some even claim that the art of dyeing wool was developed in Sardis and discovered in Sardis. As was at the beginning of every letter, this letter begins with Christ's self-description. He doesn't use the same description twice. Here, he says, this letter is from, or these things are being said by, and you read there in verse 1, he who has the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars. Now, don't get alarmed here. There are not seven spirits of God. 
This is probably Jesus' way of proclaiming his perfection. He is the one who has embodied the Spirit of God, which resides in Jesus, seven being the number of completion and perfection. This is from the one who is perfectly the Spirit of God, in whom the perfect Spirit of God resides. It's probably the best way to understand that seemingly problematic phrase and descriptor. The seven stars are the angels or the leaders of the seven churches. We know that from chapter 1, verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. So this letter is from, back to 3.1, the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I am the Lord of the church. In me is embodied the perfect spirit of God and I have in my hand, have under my authority, the pastors of the churches. This letter is from the one who is the head of the church. In the early 1980s, I was the pastor of a church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we had a young man who was a candidate for ordination. I called together an ordination council made up of other Baptist pastors in the neighborhood. And on a certain given day, our candidate was to be examined by these older, uh, experienced pastors. One of the pastors in the ordination council was a man who was at that time in his 80s, and he had been at the church where he was for 40 years, and the people wanted him out. He had long, uh, for, for a long time, he had not been effective, but they didn't want to hurt his feelings. They didn't know how to, how to get rid of him. But he was not terribly effective and not effective, and there were a number of people in that church that wanted him out. They, they didn't put him out. He died in office uh, as pastor, and they went on and got another pastor. But he was part of this ordination council, feeling very threatened at the church where he was. He asked our candidate as part of the examination, who is the head of the church? Our well-prepared candidate said, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Ephesians says it, and he quoted other passages. <laughs> and this old man said, yeah, yeah, we know that, but who's the head of the church? <laughs> and he was trying to get our candidate to say the pastor is the head of the church. And our guy would not budge. And this old man asked a couple of times, yeah, but, but uh, you understand, who, who, who's the head of the church? Trying to get our guy to just help him out and say, pastor, pastor should be the head of the church. This passage makes it clear, Christ is the head of the church. He's the pastor of the pastors. He is the embodiment of the perfect spirit of God. The letter is from him. As is the pattern in many of the seven letters, there is a word of commendation and a word of condemnation. Here's the commendation. I know your works. Remember, these letters are all from the all-knowing Christ. He, according to chapter 2, verse 23, is the one who searches the minds and hearts. That's in 2.23. This is the one who knows us well and knows our work. He commends them. I, I know your works. The the implication that it's, is that it is good work. And here's a commendation. It's, it's soon going to turn into something else, but here's a commendation. You have a reputation for vibrancy. You have a reputation for zoe. You have a reputation for being alive. You are known for life. You know the type, don't you? They have a reputation. 
And they spend a lot of their time trying to keep up that reputation. In fact, they spend more time working on what people think they are than working on what they really are. In contemporary culture, we call them posers. They present a facade, and sometimes it's a very good facade, a false cover page to a falsified life resume. The folks in Sardis were living on their past. You have, says Jesus, a reputation. You know what they say about you? You are a lively bunch. Well, it must have been good to hear. In fact, they thought they were unbeatable. Yeah, we're Sardis. What it is? What's up? That's what Sardis folks would say. They thought they were unbeatable. Yet in 549 B.C., the city was captured by Cyrus the Persian, and in 218 B.C. was captured again by Antiochus. Leon Morris says it was captured both times, in his commentary on Revelation, it was captured both times because of its slackness. They were so confident nobody could beat them that they got beaten. So sure that nobody could possibly break through their fortress and their fortified city that they were captured because they stopped being watchful because they had a reputation. <laughs> I'm talking to somebody here tonight. They had a reputation for being sharp and distinctive and discerning and prepared and superior, yet all of that was in the past. You have a reputation for being alive. This is a stinging rebuke, and it is not unlike what Jesus said to the Pharisees. There is a, a wonderful passage. In fact, I want you to see it in your own Bible or your own smart device. Would you please turn to the left, if you're using a paper Bible, and go to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. I want you to see Jesus' articulation of the danger of living on reputation. Putting up a pretty outside. Matthew 23, verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You are like whitewashed graves, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly. See, that's the reputation. That's the facade. But inside are full of dead man's bones and uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to other humans. But inside, you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Did you see it? In Sardis... The outside didn't match the inside. You have a reputation for being alive. That is, your outward appearance suggests vitality. But inside, different story. I am on the web almost daily looking around for information and angles and illustrations. I came across a website, it's rather disturbing, called defamationdefenders.com. This is a real website. Their cover page says, online reputation repair, defamation removal, and reputation marketing. Defend your name, repair your reputation, and manage your online presence with our proven online reputation management processes. Is negative content 
or private information online plaguing your reputation or privacy? Take charge of your internet reputation. That's all on the front page. How sad. We got to hire somebody to clean up our reputation because we have a reputation and a word out there about us, and that's not really us. This is what the risen Christ offers to the church at Sardis. Reputation repair. No, no, it's better than that. It's actually reputation replacement. Because these who say yes to Jesus receive completely new lives. And we go from old reputation to new reality. I don't want them to just patch me up. Make some repairs. I want to be new. Because you know if you get patched up, you're just going to leak again. You get a Band-Aid, some duct tape over the holes in your life. It's not going to last long. You need a new life. And this is what Christ offers. The commendation is you do have a nice rep out there. And it's a reputation for being vibrant. The late Vance Havner said there are four movements to a great spiritual ministry. A man, a movement, a machine, and then a monument. Sardis had become a monument by the time John writes to them. You have a reputation. There are statues erected to you, but you're not that people anymore. In fact, Jesus says, you have a reputation. Here's the stinging rebuke. You have a reputation for being alive, which can be seen as a positive, as a commendation. He says, here's the sting, but you're actually dead. I thought I had it going on. No, you did. And I have found your works, says Jesus, to be not perfect before God. I know your works. I found your works not to be as good as you think they are. <laughs> so what are we going to do about that? Jesus has called us out, told us that we're not as wonderful as we think we are. And he said, you're actually dead when you think you're alive. What are you going to do? Glad you asked. Let me give you the admonition, the action steps right from this text. What do you do when you are spiritually dead, but you have a reputation for being alive? First, be watchful and alert. Be like this. It's just my wife and me now in our house. But I am... Just before I go to bed at night, we very often go to bed at different times, I check the house. I check all the doors. We have bars uh, that go under the doorknob that make it impossible for you to kick the door in. You'd, you'd break your shin before you kick our door in. Get them at Lowe's or Home Depot. It's a nice little device. It's a bar that just goes under the doorknob and the other end goes into the floor and you, you can't check that. So I go and check all the bars under the doorknobs of the door. We've never had any problem, but I'm not trying to have any. I'm watchful and alert around our property. You know what Jesus says? You have a reputation for being alive and alert, but you're not. Now get alert. Be watchful. Some believers get less and less watchful as they go on in their journey. You remember when you first came to faith? I talked about this in the first sermon of this series, Ephesus who had lost their first love. 
You were so on fire. You were genuinely full of life. But you've gotten less and less watchful. I heard an interesting interview uh, some months ago. Actually, it was closer to 9-11. I heard this interview. The, a, a gentleman from the equivalent of the TSA, Transportation uh, Security Authority, from Israel was in the United States and he was doing some radio interviews and the interviewer asked him on National Public Radio, what is the difference between the security system in Israel and the security system in our airports here in the United States? I've been, how many of you have been to Israel? You know that you don't just go through one security checkpoint. You go through a couple of them before you get to your gate. The gentleman from the TSA in Israel said, well, I can tell you the difference between your system and ours. In Israel, we treat every flight as if it's the first flight of the day. He said, I've examined your airports, and he said, your people get more lax as the day goes on. So he said, the first flight of the day, they're very diligent, they're vigilant, they're looking at everything in the suitcase, they're taking the screen seriously and looking. By 4 o'clock in the afternoon, they're saying, oh, it looks like a gum with a scope. Yeah, come on. <laughs> they kind of let down their guard as the day goes on. So the last flight of the day, they're not nearly as vigilant. Here's what Jesus says. Be watchful. The inference of the text is that you're to do that continuously, that you're not to be watchful simply this year or for the first part of the day or for the first part of your Christian life. You are to be watchful and alert all the time, checking the doors and the windows, making sure the enemy doesn't come in, guarding your heart, guarding your life being careful about what you read or what you allow into your mind and into your eye gate. You, you, you're being watchful. Jesus says you, you have a reputation for being alert, a reputation for being alive, a reputation for being vital, but you're dead. Now, be alert. Wake up. And he says... Here's a second action step. Strengthen the things that remain. You haven't lost everything. So instead of faking, fortify. Take that which you still have and make it stronger. Spend your time not in furthering your reputation for being alive, but spend your time in actually becoming more alive. Work on that which you already possess and make it stronger. There's a wonderful benediction in 1 Peter 5.10. I won't have you turn to it now in the interest of time, but let me just simply read it to you. May the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That's what Jesus wants for the church at Sardis. You who have been fakers, you who have been living on your reputation, now may the living Christ truly strengthen you and establish you and fortify you. You remember Jesus' words to Peter? You remember Pete, don't you? He didn't always get it right, did he? Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired permission to sift you like wheat. You remember this? But I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. When you've returned to me, strengthen your brothers. Fortify your brothers. Find some posers who are acting like they're really my sold-out disciples, Pete, but are not. And help them to be strong. It is the will of God that the church, you, I, be strong. It is, it is the will of God that I be strong, that you be strong, 
and that the individuals who are the church rise up and live beyond their reputations, be in reality strong. Here's a third action step. Remember how you have received and heard. Maybe you could even insert, remember what you have received and heard. I often say to my 26-year-old son, remember who you are and remember whose you are. Sometimes when we are being a little more lighthearted, I said, don't mess up the farmer name. Don't do anything that would embarrass your name, your family. Hold fast, Jesus says. Here's another action step. Hold fast, guard and protect and repent. To repent is to have a change of heart and mind and direction. It abandons former dispositions and one goes in another direction and it results in a new self and a new direction. Repent or else, he says. Jesus encourages the church at Sardis. I got to wrap this up. You still have some faithful people there, he says. Well, that must have been encouraging. He's really ragging on them. You, you folks are dead. You think you're alive, but you're dead. But not everybody's dead. You got a few faithful folks there. If people say the church is full of hypocrites, it's not full of hypocrites. There are, there are some faithful people in the church. There are some people who never sold out to evil. They only sold out to Jesus. They have given themselves. They're all in. The entire city has not gone against God. We call this a remnant. There's always a handful of folks who never did bow, never did capitulate, never did give over, <laughs> never did compromise. There are some of them right in Sardis. They haven't defiled their garments or themselves. I told you that overcomers eat better. Chapter 2, verse 7, chapter 2, verse 17, they'll eat of the hidden manna, they'll eat of the tree of life. Here in this text, the overcomers dress better. Having traded in the soiled garments of infidelity for the white garment of faithfulness. Did you see it in the text? It's, it's right there in the text. I'm not making this up. You have a few, says verse 4, who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white. Symbol of purity. The white bridal dress, the white garment, the white, often the white robes that we wear at baptisms. They shall walk with me in white. These overcomers not only dress better, they're in the book. This text does not suggest that a person who's walking with Christ can lose their salvation. This reference here to the book of life talks about those who belong to Christ. One commentator said if it contained the names of all people, it wouldn't be called the book of life, for lost sinners are dead. So this is probably not a book that contains the names of all people. These are the people who are in life with Jesus. These are the people who have confessed the Christ. I'm going to close. I really am closing now. I don't want you to turn to it, but in Judges chapter 16, there's a story about Samson who fell asleep on Delilah's lap. The Bible says that his head is on her knees. I have a friend who preached the story of Samson and Delilah, and he called it a haircut in the wrong barbershop. <laughs> Judges 16 says this. You need to reread it. After his strength left him, 
the tormenting, teasing Delilah said to Samson, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the Bible says, Samson said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. And the Bible says, he did not even know that the Lord had departed from him. He had a reputation for being strong. And he thought he was always going to be strong. But he had bowed and he had capitulated and he had given over and the strength he once had was not now his to know. And you can't whip the forces of evil on reputation. You got to have reality. Here is Samson. Let me go out and do what I've always done. Let me just go out and whip some folks. The Bible says he didn't even know that he didn't have strength anymore. All he had was a rep. I want us to see our churches through the lens of this text. If we're not careful, we'll become known in our churches for great activity. Great vacation Bible school. Great choir. They have a wonderful praise and worship team. They have a great youth program. They have wonderful facilities. They got a gymnasium over there, you know. They got a coffee bar where you can come in in the morning and have coffee. Yeah, that's great. But if that's all you got, you're dead. You have a reputation for being a lively church. But if there's no strong word coming out of there, if there are no lives being transformed by the power of God, all you got is a reputation. But what would happen if we actually said to Jesus, come change us from people with a reputation to people with a strong reality where God is at work? Oh, we got Zumba classes. We got a great missions program. That's wonderful. Anybody getting saved? Any lies being transformed? If you're not careful, we could be known for movement but not mission. We could ride on our reputation and have a horrible reality. We could have progress but not purpose. We could have signs of communal life and be spiritually dead. God, help us all. Let us pray. Oh, God. We thank you for the signs of life in our churches and in our lives. We pray that you'd help us to be vital and strong and engaged in our culture because we live in and with you. We confess we do a great job at slopping on a coat of paint and making ourselves look good on the outside. We've received your word tonight and hear the stinging rebuke given to Sardis being perhaps given to us. Oh Lord our God, deliver us from being posers and grant that we may live with purpose. I pray for the one, the ones struggling tonight with what people think about them who spend way too much time trying to dress up their reputation. I pray, God, that you'd help them to move in the area of repentance, that you might have their entire being Amen. Well, that was a good message. Yes. I can't wait for him to come back. He's just a good friend and uh, encourages all of us by praying for us. So, like, this is Friday. Tomorrow mm -hmm. is 4th of July. Correct. And then we have one more week of podcast. That's right. And, and then, then what happens? Summer begins. And once summer begins, you'll be able to watch live in the morning and in the evening 
our uh, worship services, 9.30 in the morning and 7 o'clock at night. So we will not be doing the live worship in the afternoons. And we won't be doing the podcast. That's correct. Because so there's really so much sorry, available for but you. But you'll have so much more to watch and yep. to do and enjoy. So again, we thank you for watching today. And I trust that you'll share the link with a friend. We do depend on friends like you to give to the ministry. And it's been really cool during this season when we've ba basically been closed, except mm -hmm. for the Ministry of Addiction Recovery. None of our conferences and retreats. But God's people have been so faithful, and that's enabled us to continue mm -hmm. to do what God's called us to do. So if you'd like to give a gift today, call 1-800-453-7942 or visit our website, www.americaskeswick.org. And we want to say thanks to Tyler and Zach for all their help in putting together our podcast that's and right. our worship. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. A lot of hours behind the scenes. Hey, have a good weekend. Have a good fourth. We'll see you back here on Wednesday. If you enjoyed today's podcast, let us know. Write us at bewealthy at americaskeswick.org, or it'll be in the description below. If you'd like to learn more information about America's Keswick, you can visit our website at www.americaskeswick.org. Join us every Wednesday and Friday at 2.30 for the next edition of the podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Tyler. And have a good and godly day.